live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 4, Episode 3. I am Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. Good Monday, ladies. Good Monday, yes. It's a great Monday. It's been a great weekend, guys. Um, Don't know if you saw, but the government did this thing on Friday that was really cool. Um, It shut down. What? Yeah. Is that cool Yeah, that was fun. I don't find that cool. I find that horrible. I mean, it's it's kind of a cool thing, you know, your school shuts down for snow, um, your work <laughs> shuts down for like, you know, a bomb threat and the government shuts down because uh, Republicans hate immigrants and they won't pass a deal on DACA. I was just listening to you on hashing it out and it sounded like your stomach shut down as well. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna keep that a Patreon <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> That's definitely something I want behind a paywall. So if you want to listen to that, uh, please support us for $2 or more. (laughs) So anyway. That's honestly the good thing about the paywall. Yeah, it is the good thing about the paywall. As I've said in the past, anything that I really, really don't want to be super public goes behind the paywall. Um, Because we know exactly who's paying, meaning who's listening. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I see the list of people. I'm like, oh, that's fucking fine. I know that person. My mom saw it on it. I can talk about that foursome I had last weekend. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. Uh, I wish that my story was something as cool as a foursome, but I it know. wasn't. Um, yeah, same. So anyway, we just wanted to quickly cover the government shutdown. There's still a lot going on with this story. It's pretty fluid. So we're going to do a full discussion in next week's After Dark, probably. Um, basically, government shutdown at midnight on Friday because Congress could not... Um, arrive at an agreement in terms of what kind of spending bill would be passed, mainly because of treatment of DACA, uh, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and funding for CHIP, the Child Health Insurance Program. Um, They have finally passed something in the last couple of hours. uh, And if Donald Trump signs that, the government will start running again tonight. So it's really up to him at this point. Um, However, this particular spending bill will only keep the government running for another three weeks, at which point they have to reconvene on February 8th to get their shit together again. So So we find ourselves sort of right back in the same position. Yes. Just a few weeks from now. Exactly. They've basically given themselves an extension. Right. Yeah. And I know that, you know, I know we're going to talk about this more next week, but I have to say I'm surprised by how quickly it sort of resolved. I thought that this was going to be at least, I don't know, several several days, maybe a couple of weeks. The last shutdown in 2013 lasted for 16 days, and that was over Republicans wanting to defund Obamacare. Um, And I figured that DACA, immigration, that's got to be – almost as contentious, just as contentious of an issue as Obamacare. So I figured this would be just about as long. I was surprised that in that last few hours that changed. But Well, um, um, it's because uh, the, the minority party, who shall go nameless, caved. So we can get into that more next week. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pissed at him about it. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but I kind of want to see and I, I kind of want to wait and see how this shakes out before we comment any further. Um, 
So moving mm-hmm. on to more what the fuck news, Elisa, I think you have a couple of things for us. Uh, yeah, so I've been dying to talk about this story all <laughs> week. Uh, an Irish woman <laughs> has married her longtime boyfriend, a 300-year-old ghost named Jack. Jack is a pirate. Jack looks like Jack Sparrow. The woman says that they have arguments, they plan for their future together, and they have sex just like any other normal couple. She met Jack several years ago when she herself was dressing up as a pirate for parties and what have you. She considers herself a theater person. So she was dressing up as a pirate for shows and for parties, uh, and embodying the spirit of Jack Sparrow. And coincidentally, don't you know it, came across the 300-year-old ghost named Jack who told her that she was doing a great job. And that's how they connected. And they recently just got married on the coast, right off the coast, where I believe she says that his his ship went down in Ireland. Her family and friends were in attendance, and they planned to live happily ever after. Who knew? So... I mean, so I, I totally get it. When I was 14 years old, I also fantasized about Jack Sparrow. Um, this was, of course, before I found out Johnny Depp was a wife beater. But, you know... I guess I kind of get it. Yeah. My question is like, how did the like was this just like a commitment ceremony? Did was there anything actually legally binding about it? There can't possibly. I I was looking for that too, so I found this story in the Irish Post. Um, but I, it does it doesn't say it doesn't get into like the legality matters, and I couldn't find it anywhere. But I cannot possibly imagine that it's like a legally binding standard wedding there's just no possible way that that ireland would allow such a thing so my guess is it's just sort of ceremonial but she bought like a wedding dress she had someone officiate the wedding um the whole nine yards in in terms of the ceremony it was it was it was pretty legit looking and i have to just wonder what must her family and friends think like what must they think when when they show up to something like that you know like I'm on the fence between finding it really, really funny and also really not funny because I, I, if she's serious, if she is serious about this, I do worry about her mental health. And I don't mean that in a joking way or to be funny at all. I'm genuinely would be concerned about her mental health. Yeah. Oh, yeah. of course. Um, but the friends just go along with it. So sounds like, uh, a lot of these people have problems. I like how there's a photo in the article of this woman, Amanda, dressed as Captain Jack Sparrow. So she also, like, role plays as her husband. Right. And fucks herself? I don't know how this no, works. No, I think that's how she says that they met, is that she was role playing, and then he came from the grave to tell her that she was <laughs> doing a great job, and they really connected. And she says that one of the first questions she always gets is, how do you have sex with a ghost? And she doesn't hold back. She talks about it. She says that it's a spiritual kind of thing. And that even though you don't feel them physically in quite the same way, that you do still feel the spirit physically. And that he brings her to orgasm and everything. So, yeah, she gets into it. It's And, like, they're buying a house together. She's putting his name on the, um, what would you call it? The mortgage? The deed? Yes, thank you. The mortgage? The mortgage. Uh, She's putting his name on it. I mean, (laughs) 
How can that fly, though? Because if she defaults or dies, then it goes to him. And, like, how is he going to take control yeah, of that? I don't know. I don't <laughs> well, know. He can, he can make her orgasm from beyond the grave. So maybe he can pay the mortgage with, like, gold <laughs> doubloons or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, well... Moving on, the next what the fuck news story I want to talk to you guys about. This isn't quite this isn't quite the same thing, but I thought it was what the fuck. Scientists believe, in fact, they're pretty dead certain that there is a ninth planet in our solar system. We just haven't found it yet. What the fuck what? do you mean we haven't found it yet? How do you what? Now, they say that the planet is supposed to be huge, at least 10 times the size of Earth, between 10 and 20 times the size of Earth. Um, but they haven't been able to find it. They only know that it's there because they can observe the gravitational effects that it's having on passing objects like meteorites and what have you. Um, but that's why they know it's there. They, they're very confident in it, but they've just not been able to pinpoint exactly where yet or get their eyes on it. But yeah, a ninth fucking planet, and this is this is consensus now. This started about, I think, in 2009, the first report of a p- potential ninth planet was published. Uh, and then since then, just in the past like two years, the scientific community at large has rallied around this. And it's pretty much just, it's well accepted. What began as a theory is now pretty fucking well accepted. Now everyone and their mother is out there with a telescope trying to find this fucking thing. <laughs> and I can't. I can't, I don't know, I can't believe this, I'm, I'm not Why very- is this, this seems to really, this seems to really excite you, why, why, like, I think this is cool, but I'm just like, there's a lot of stars out there and stuff, so I guess I'm not surprised. Yeah, but this isn't a star, this is, this is a planet in our own solar system, I feel like it's a little akin to being like, if you're married to someone, like, if I'm married to Laura, like, waking up one morning and being like, you know, Laura... I think there might be another tree outside in our backyard. I know like we only planted four, but I'm pretty fucking sure there's a fifth one. I just haven't been able to find it yet. When you it's in your backyard, <laughs> when you brought up the marriage perspective, I thought it was going in a completely different direction. It's really weird. I almost said different would, direction right there. That was a really big Freudian slip. Anyway, Elisa, would you marry Lara's 300 year old ghost? Yeah. I mean, that's sort of my plan at this point because her boyfriend's taken her from me. So now I'm just waiting for her. In the physical world. Yeah, I'm waiting for her to die. And then when that happens, she'll be mine and he won't be able to stop it. You know, I mean, this is very Twilight of you. It is. Very creepy. Would you two ever want to live on a different planet? No. I just it just seems like yeah, it seems like a real hassle. From no. what I understand, if you live on a different planet, you have to use your own poop to grow potatoes. So that's a no. Matt Damon did teach us that. <laughs> that was a good movie. I have conversations with my boyfriend about this actually a lot because he's a big fan of the idea of being on the first expedition to Mars. He would love to go. Like he just thinks that if he were offered the opportunity that he would he would shit himself with glee. And I'm like, well fuck you too. Because you leave everybody <laughs> behind, you don't come back. And yeah. I mean, there's nothing for you for you there. I think that in theory it's a very cool thing, and I have a lot of respect for people who want to do that. But why do you want to do that? Like, there's no Netflix. 
There's no McDonald's. Mm-mm. There's you have no loved Mm-mm. ones, and even your ability to talk to loved ones is like, God, you think time zones are bad? Like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that. I, I just would be way too scared of dying. I mean, just the liftoff part from Earth. No, thank you. I, I would be out just on that part alone. And for that reason, I would never even want to go into space. For fun. Like, you know how Elon Musk is apparently trying to do the commercial space travel? And I really admire this idea, but I would never want to do this myself. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the thing that rules it out, too, is just how long it would take you to get there. Like, it's this isn't like, you know, you get in your spaceship and it takes a few hours. It's not like a road trip. It can take years. Years. Fucking years to arrive at your destination. No, thanks. Yeah, what a waste of time. But I, I just, I can't, I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that there is a fucking planet in our solar system and we don't know where it is or even what it looks like. That, that boggles my mind because I feel like there's some basic shit you learn in kindergarten, right? It's like your ABCs, mm-hmm. you know, Roy G. Biv, how to finger paint and what planets are in your solar system. And first they took Pluto from me, okay? I took me years to deal with that. I got over it. And now they're saying, oh, but just kidding. There is a ninth planet. We just don't know where it is. Like, what have you been doing this whole time? I hope for your sake it ends up being real. I guess it would give us all some good hope. We all could use a little uh, inspiration right now. You know what this reminds me of, though? The Blue's Clues space song. Do you guys remember that? No. Uh, Blue's Clues, the the great show, Nick Jr. Sun's a big star, and you're Venus is a mighty, and Earth's home to me and you. Mars is a big one, and Saturn's most wide, or something's most wide. Saturn's got those icy rings, and Uranus spins on its side. Neptune's really windy, and Pluto's really small. Now we wanted to name the planets, and now we name them all. Now we name them all. Wow. Yeah, that, thanks. Uh was life changing. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Except I didn't uh, name all the planets. <laughs> right. So speaking of life changing things, uh Pennsylvania Sup- Supreme Court today threw out pencil tra- pen- pencil tra- I can't talk today, guys. They they fucking th- You sound like a sim. I know. They fucking threw <laughs> out Pennsylvania's congressional map ruling that Republican-drawn districts, quote, clearly, plainly, and palpably violate the state's constitution by deliberately packing Democratic voters into five districts and maximizing GOP advantage everywhere else. So this is pretty big. I mean, Elisa yeah. kind of led us through a discussion of gerrymandering, oh, God, a few months ago. Um, and there was uh, also a Supreme Court case going on um, about gerrymandering at the time. So what what are our initial reactions to this? Well, it's certainly good news, right? I mean, they're throwing it out and it has to be done before the 2018 election. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, actually, uh, they are required to redraw the map within the next three weeks. And if they don't meet the February 9th deadline, the court itself is going to draft a new map. Wow. Yeah. Maybe that's for the best anyway. I'm really against having um, I'm really against having political parties be in charge of drawing maps mm-hmm. for that I just just seems really sort of transparently undemocratic and not right 
to me. So I think this is great news. And the fact that it's happening in Pennsylvania is particularly um, impactful because, of course, Pennsylvania is a very important swing state. Mm -hmm. And so this could have really large, very serious electoral college ramifications looking ahead into into the midterms, but also into 2020 and well beyond um, because Pennsylvania is just that important. So I think it sets a really good precedent. And the Supreme Court, like not the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, but actual federal Supreme Court is hearing a very similar case to this one. Um, so it sort of just gives me a, like a little glimmer of hope that that ruling will go the same way. Because like we said before, gerrymandering, no matter which party it's coming from, is, is undemocratic and not not right. Right. So this, this gives me hope. Totally. And I mean, just to put it in perspective, Pennsylvania in, in this last election went pretty 50-50 in terms of Clinton versus Trump. Trump had a slight edge, um, but it was incredibly slight. And yet uh, 12 of the 18 incumbents for Pennsylvania's House elections this year are Republicans. Hmm. So you have a state that went 50-50 on the presidential candidates, and yet somehow they ended up with uh, majority Republican-controlled uh, right. House members. Right. So exactly, and, and that that statistic, that explanation right there is exactly why so many people feel that their vote doesn't matter. When people talk about the system being rigged and what have you, a lot of the times it's bullshit. But when it comes to gerrymandering, it's actually real. And that's why so many people are disenchanted with the process. Because if you live in a gerrymandered district, which many, many Americans do, then you do feel like your vote doesn't matter. Because the system has been, your district has been drawn specifically to help one of the two major political parties. And so how much does your vote matter? And I think that apart from it just being gerrymandering just being so undemocratic on principle that this is really important for the country's morale, for our sense of having control over ourselves and the fate of our country. This is really important, which is something that's more critical than ever after this unexpected Trump win last year. We need to feel like we have some control over our shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we we can take this back. We can We can bring this ship back from the brink. Um, and I think that the more cases we have like this, the better for our belief in that prospect. Yeah. And, and I mean, look- the fact of the matter is Democrats really need to pick up a number of congressional seats in this upcoming election. Um, so this thing in Pennsylvania could really help them. I mean, like I said, 12 of the 18 incumbents are Republicans. That's 12 seats that are up for grabs. Yeah, that's a lot. And if you look That's a at lot. these gerrymandered maps, I mean, they look like mazes, how they're drawn. They twist and turn. They go everywhere. Right. And again, I know we talked about this before when we discussed gerrymandering, but just in the interest of fairness, I think that in most cases, right now, today, in this year, gerrymandering does benefit Republicans disproportionately. But in the past, it's benefited Democrats, and Democrats have have defended the practice before as well. So I think history shows this is something that people from all sides need to get on board with. Um, And yeah, there's, I mean, there's, yeah. There's no doubt that 
the Democrats have also participated in really shitty behavior in the past when it benefited them. So even though I've, I tend to find myself voting with Democrats, uh, like about 100% of the time, um, <laughs> I, I still feel the need to call them out on this. Oh, yeah, definitely. And yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm keeping my eye on that Supreme Court case. I'll let you guys know when something happens, because that's going to be huge. I want to talk about the Women's March, but first, let's listen to Blue's Clues' The Planet song. Just the ending. The part that I was just singing myself. Well, the sun's a hot star, and Mercury's hot too. Venus is the brightest planet, and Earth's home to me and you. Mars is the red one, and Jupiter's most wide. Saturn's got those icy rings, and Uranus spins on its side. Neptune's really windy, and Pluto's really small. (laughs) Well, we wanted to name the planets, and now we name them all. Except you didn't. There's another (laughs) one. Yeah, we'll redo this song once that one comes out. And there's a ninth one. Listen to Millennial. Elisa will explain what we know. (laughs) All right. So I can just sit in the uh, background and make those blue sounds. Yeah. Didn't you guys love Blue's Clues as a kid? I think it came along a little late for me. I thought... Are you? Well, Andrew was watching this, and he's like eighteen. I think, yeah, Blue's Clues was my brother's jam. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, mine. Same. I was more into like the gnomes and shit, and like, a, like age appropriate television. Andrew, Wait, you guys still don't watch <laughs> Nick Jr. I thought it was still for us. <laughs> what have I been wasting my time with all these years? No, you know what? You mentioned your brother. My brother is like seven years younger than me. And that's why I was watching Blue's Clues, because my brother was always watching it. But I'm trying to find when it first aired, like what year. Okay, Blue's Clues premiered in the United States on September 8th, 1996. How old were you in 96, Andrew? Uh, seven or eight. So suck it. It's seven, okay. So that's perfect, that's Blue's fair. Clues viewing age. <laughs> I should have li- lied and said it first aired in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, um, uh, I feel like I should say for anyone who doesn't know, Blues Clues <laughs> for anybody abroad. <laughs> it was this great children's show where in each episode, Steve and his doggy friend Blue had to find, or Steve had to find three clues left by Blue in Steve's house, and they each taught a lesson. It was great. Anyway, on to adult topics. Uh, the second annual, I guess you can call it. Women's March took place on the one-year anniversary of Trump's inauguration. The turnout was huge. I mean, it was was fun to watch. It was inspiring to watch. Hopefully a sign of good things to come in the 2018 election, seeing elections, seeing everybody still so motivated. Did you two attend? Yeah, exactly. Watch? Um, I was not able to attend this year, unfortunately, but I'm going next year. No, mm-hmm. I couldn't make it this year. I had to visit my my dad for his birthday. Yeah, same. I was watching Blue's Clues. Yeah. <laughs> Trump, <laughs> interestingly, tried to make it about himself. I literally laughed out loud reading this tweet. He said, 
Beautiful weather all over our great country. A perfect day for all women to march. Get out there now to celebrate the historic milestones and unprecedented economic success and wealth creation that has taken place over the last 12 months. Lowest female unemployment in 18 years. (laughs) I, you know, he's like a Reddit troll come to life. He really is. He had, listen, for however much we might disagree with his policy, I think that he's not actually stupid. Like, he, he knows that, I, at least not about this. I mean, he knows the Women's March is about him in part, right? Like, he knows that he is part of the impetus for the Women's March. I, I have to believe that he does. In which case, that tweet is kind of funny, but also kind of super fucking insulting. Yeah. And, I mean... Because it's it's taking, in my opinion, assuming that he does know and he does, it's taking all of the issues that, that women were marching for, whether it's, you know, sexual harassment, discrimination in the workplace, um, paid family leave, equal pay for equal work, um, all of those issues and distilling it into a joke and – uh, a, a trolley kind of a joke. And it's just not a joke to us. It's not funny to us. Yeah. And I think that as the president of the United States, it was really inappropriate and tone deaf. Yeah. But it's very Trump, though, right? To try and spin it and try to take credit for it and try to act like they're celebrating him. You know, he just he just makes all this stuff up. Uh, all these stories about people liking him. We see that all the time. Um. And I mean, if you take five seconds to look at media coverage, you can clearly sl- see that it's an anti-Trump rally. All these signs, you know, right. <laughs> straight up call him a fucking idiot. Like, they they <laughs> do not hold back. <laughs> you know, I, I think he's probably thinking that he's come a long way from grabbing by the pussy. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it was just so perfect that the government shutdown started on the one-year <laughs> anniversary of him taking office. As he tweeted, the yeah. Democrats wanted to give him a great gift. <laughs> I mean, I went on social media that day and I was like, you know what, guys? He was right. I really am tired of winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one more story today, Elisa, before we check out what's been going on in our Facebook feed. Yeah, so this last story here is actually about China. They've just finished construction on the world's largest air purifier. This monster operates on ionic power. It's 328-foot-high tower that is actually successful. It reduces smog levels in about a four-mile radius around the tower. Um, and it, it's it's so successful, it actually cleans the air up to 75%. So it's 75% wow. cleaner than it would be without this air purifier. Jeez. So it's just this massive fucking building that's just like, I don't know, like a giant, like a, <laughs> what are those, what are those magazines on airplanes? Like the ones that like sell you all sky, that really high end shit. Sky Miles? Sky. Yeah, Sky, sky Mall. Mall. It's like a giant Sky Mall advertisement, I feel like. It's just like – but I think it's very cool. Um, and, the, and the coolest part about it, in my opinion, is that the whole thing runs on just 1,400 watts of power, which is about the same amount of power as a tea kettle. Wow. So this what? giant – Yeah. 
Because it, so it, it's using ionic technology, which is sort of like, so the, the folks who constructed it say it's similar to how if you take a balloon, like a blown up balloon, and like you rub it all over your shirt and what have you, it gets very staticky, and then it attracts your hair to the balloon. That's basically what this is doing, except for the air. It's attracting all of the dirty air particles through that exact same process. So it actually doesn't require a whole lot of energy. Um, so yeah, a fucking tea kettle and it's cleaning air in a four mile radius with a 75% cleaner air rate. I think that's crazy. That's huge. Uh, China obviously has a huge air pollution problem, as do many other countries in that region. And right here in the United States, Los Angeles is, of course, one of the first ones that comes to mind, New York. And if we can just build these air purifiers and, you know, build, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 of them in the worst areas, this sounds like this could be major to improving the air quality in our cities, combined with other steps we've been taking, like uh, greener cars. I mean, the cities, the cities, you look at photos of LA back in like the 40s or 50s compared to now like it's incredible mm-hmm. how much better we've gotten but but if, but if you go up to Griffith Observatory now and observe LA it still looks crazy crazy dirty up there um and yeah. and this is this is great news for human health apart from the environment because according to the World Health Organization, about 80% of people who live in urban metropolitan areas are exposed to air quality that exceeds daily limitations. Yeah. Um, and that is responsible, they say, the World Health Organization says, that's responsible for a large part of the increase in strokes, heart disease, lung cancer, and asthma in recent years. Uh, 80% of people in metropolitan cities are exposed like more than they should be. That's, that's pretty significant. It's terrible. So I think Andrew's right. I would love to see more of these things, but I do kind of have to ask like trees are also really good air purifiers. Like they've, they've been doing this a little longer. <laughs> They're pretty good at it. And I also kind of wonder why, why we don't just plant more fucking trees. Why don't we make green spaces a priority? Trees even even like small plants. I mean, trees and plants and, and brush can be planted on actual buildings as well, um, you know, on rooftops and what have you. Why isn't that also a priority? They do – I mean, trees are just as efficient as this air purifier are in terms of its stats. And even though it's very impressive that it only runs on the power of a tea kettle, trees require zero power. What do you mean by that? I mean, like how many trees would it take to be as effective as this air purifier? I don't know. I think it, I mean, I'm sure it depends on the type of tree and everything. And it would definitely take like more than a handful. But if you, if you were to prioritize, you know, a small park, for instance, um, like the size of, let's say two apartments, like not apartment buildings, but like two apartments, I'm, I would be willing to wager that would do just as much or close to as much. Really? Hmm. I'd be interested. I'm gonna look this yeah, up. Yeah, I'd be interested to know how effective a tree would be because, like, you know, Los Angeles here in Chicago, there's trees everywhere. Los Angeles actually had a pretty healthy amount of trees, and the 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 Hollywood Hills loaded with trees because 
they're natural hills. <laughs> so I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think it would have to take a lot of them to do what this air purifier is doing. But this is cool news. I mean, and back when I was living in LA, I used to read these stats warning about the dangers of being in a city like this. And the way I would justify it back when I was thinking about living there for the long term was, oh, well, I didn't grow up here. So like the people who did grow up here are going to die before me get heart disease for me. So that's cool. Like, I'll have a good heads up. I'll have a good warning. (laughs) One other thing to consider, too, is that um, while the air purifier is great for toxins that that harm humans and animals, one thing that it's not super good at is actually drawing CO2 out of the air. So, Mm. but but trees are great for that, right? So, even if it did take twice as many trees as air purifiers to get the same effect, uh, you have the you have the net benefit of trees being able to get CO two greenhouse gases out of the air, which is critical for climate change. So don't get me wrong; I think this air purifier thing's fucking awesome. I would support just building a hundred of them tomorrow, but I also think we need to have trees in the mix too. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. we should try to. Use the Earth's natural resources as much as possible. Yeah, but I like the idea of these giant air purifiers um, being put into into action to sort of jumpstart the process. Yeah. All right. So uh, this new segment we started doing from our feed, I uh, wanted to talk about something that we see in our Facebook feed or, you know, just the Facebook group that we have over at facebook.com slash groups slash millennial show. Whitney made a post earlier today. She said, best way to follow up with millennials for potential business, a phone call, or a text? I expoed at a bridal show this weekend, and I'm going to follow up with interested folks. And the reason I wanted to bring this up was I wanted to know how you two like to be contacted. And just not necessarily follow-ups, business meetings, but just in general. Like, I hate the phone. It's a miracle that I that I enjoy podcasting. I hate talking on the phone. I hate actually talking to people. I much prefer texting or emailing. In fact, I would never use the phone function on my iPhone again if there was a way to just disable the phone. It, during this house buying process, I've been really lucky. My agent, my lender... My attorney have been happy to work over email. They haven't been forcing me to call. Like, thank God. And similarly with hypable stuff, I I always try to do email, but then sometimes they'll reply back like, can you call? And I'm like, oh, no, God, this is the worst. And I think part of it for me is that I'm sitting alone all day. So I think my natural uh, introvertedness compounds on itself. And I just get into this spot where talking sounds like the worst thing ever. And this goes for family members, too. I don't even like talking to my parents on the phone. <laughs> That's so funny. I get... I have I have conversations with my brother and my family about this all the time because I have no problems talking on the phone or having confrontations on the phone even. So, you know, if, like, service somewhere was like terrible not like restaurant wise but like i don't know your credit card fucks you over or whatever 
I have no problem calling. I will wait however long I have to wait and then rip someone a new asshole. And to me, it actually feels kind of good because it's a stress relief. I've like, I've made amends for the problems that have been caused in my life. But so many people avoid that because they hate telephones. Mm -hmm. They just hate talking on phones. I I mean, I guess I would say, to answer your original question, I would say I kind of prefer to be contacted by email because it allows me time to process what you want. Yeah. Kind of sleep on it, determine whether or not I'm interested. And it feels the le- it feels the least intrusive to me. If you call me or text me, there's a certain amount of urgency that I don't appreciate. I need to be able to respond on my own time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also depends on the degree of closeness that you have with that person. So, like, for instance, when I was buying my house, my realtor is somebody who I was friends with previously. So I didn't care if he texted me stuff because we were friends. But if it had been somebody that I didn't know before that process, I definitely would have preferred them to email me. And I get really pissed off when businesses text me stuff. Like, I signed up for WAG, like considering letting them come and walk my dog and stuff. They text me all the fucking time, you guys. And it drives Mm. me nuts. And I don't even want to use their service because it's so annoying. Texting you what? Like offers for like free walks and stuff. And I'm like, I haven't taken you up on this. So like fucking leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer Whitney's question, I don't think you should text your potential clients at all. For the reason that Laura said, it's annoying and it feels personal. That feels like a personal space. Whereas email, like with Elise is saying, you have time to digest it. And I actually use email as a to-do list. If I get an email and I know I have to respond to it at some point, that thing will remain unread until I can actually respond to it. Even if if I've already read the email. So like any of my emails that are read, I'm done with them until I get a reply back. Unread means I need to take care of it. I'll even email myself reminders. And those just sit unread as well. And then whenever they're taken care of, gone. Yep. Yeah, you email yeah, us it. reminders too. <laughs> Is that a I, I'm not. Or? I'm not criticizing. <laughs> I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like email, I guess. Some people think, you know, trying to get rid of email. Remember when Google Wave was going to be a thing? Mm. And, uh... Now Slack is, like, the big thing. Would we be friendlier with the Red Cross if they text us, you think? No. <laughs> I, I, I'm curious, though, like, what this hang-up is with phones. I have to say, it kind of, it kind of annoys me. Hmm. That's not, that's not dig it, like... <laughs> that's not dig it, you, Andrew. Like, it has no reason to annoy me in your yeah. case. Like, I don't... Like, we, we don't, you know, see each other physically on a regular basis. But, like, when I'm, like, with my family and stuff, and if I need, like, a question answered, yeah, I just call the place of business and ask them the fucking question. <laughs> but I have, I have family members and friends who will instead, they would rather waste 15 minutes on Google trying to search through the website to get the answer than just call them and have it be over in one minute because they just avoid the phone. And that annoys me. Like, I, I kind of understand if you have an aversion to something. We all have little, you know, quirks and aversions. But get over yourself. Don't waste my time and your time spending 15 minutes 
doing something that can take you two. Yeah. If you just call. That's what got that's what gets me. Well, I mean, I am actually one of those people and I'm not even embarrassed by it. I just like it's just it's the the intro, introverted side of me. It's like when you go on um like uh go to godaddy.com or you you need help with Amazon, for example. I would rather use their online chat <laughs> than phone. It's just easier for me because it's just sitting there in a oh, window yeah. and I can address it when I want. That I mean, that makes more sense to me, though, because, I mean, at least in that case, an online chat's usually pretty responsive, pretty quick. So you're not wasting your life by mm. spending 15, 20 minutes searching through a website. Mm-hmm. So in, if, it, if, if both outcomes are... the or relatively equal time-wise, then I, it's, it makes no difference to me. It just bothers me, like, when I'm on my way to, like, a restaurant, I need to know what time it closes, and my brother pulls up his phone, and he's like, let me Google it. Oh, it's not on their homepage. Let me see if I can find it in their <laughs> FAQ. No! Call the number! Yeah. So people responded to Whitney to help her out with her question. Mel said, email... She prefers. Personally, I hate talking on the phone. and will not answer unless I have the number programmed in. That's what I do, too. I do not answer any phone number unless I know the number. Because there are a lot of spam calls these days as well. Casey says emails or texts. Don't call me. TJ agrees with you, Elisa. He says, I never get why people don't talk on the phone. It's the faster way to get information. Not everyone has email on their phone in order to reply immediately. And lots of people are notorious for not replying to texts. Plus, how do you text about potential employment? That seems so informal. Uh, Elizabeth, who does bridal shows, says she prefers email. I do follow-ups three times, the day after, the week after, and the following week. Some people are just busy, but surprisingly, I get a lot of response after follow-up three, so I keep it in. That's good to know. All right, here's something we haven't done in a while. The confessional. This one's from Aaron. This is hilarious. So I feel like my husband is a little bit crazy, but maybe he is not. With the false alarms for a nuclear missile attack in both Hawaii and Japan just days apart, he is convinced that North Korea actually did launch missiles to those places, and people were warned appropriately, but the missiles were shot down. To avoid public plant... To avoid public panic and cause for a war, and as well as to avoid showing off our missile shooting abilities, the government is just telling us they were false alarms. I feel like this is crazy talk, but it did take so long for Hawaii to correct the error. Perhaps enough time for a missile to be shot down. However, I feel like if missiles were actually sent out, there's no way Trump would be able to keep it quiet. (laughs) Please affirm or deny my husband's and my insanity sad face. So, Erin seems distressed over this, and she's looking for some help. Um, I I don't think that's what happened, Erin. I, I mean, I understand the insecurity, because there's so much going on in the world that's, like, fucked up and weird right now. Um, but I think that just, like... I think there would be evidence in terms of, like witnesses of shit happening. You know what I mean? Like, I I just find it hard to believe that that would happen and nobody would leak it or nobody would be, you know, any the wiser. So, I mean, I also think that there, first of all, it should be noted that North Korea does not have 
technological capability of hitting Hawaii yet. No. Um, they just don't. So, uh, my, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what their capabilities are, but like widely it's accepted that they can't even hit Hawaii yet. At most, they would be able to maybe make it like 20 miles off the coast of Guam, but that's like it. So I, for just on that basis alone, I don't think that's what happened. But also, if they did try to hit Hawaii and we managed to like get the missiles out of the air at the last second and that wouldn't be covered up because that still constitutes a war crime that still constitutes or an act of war, I should say, not a war crime. It still constitutes an act of war to attempt to nuke another country. So it's not like that. Whether or not they're successful is almost in some weird way kind of irrelevant because if they were to try and nuke our country, we would fucking hear about it. Like it would, it would start a war. So the fact that they weren't successful in this conspiracy theory really makes no difference. Like we would be at war with North Korea right now, period. So I don't think that this is, I I think it's not true. That is a very good point. I was actually going to argue in favor of this theory. (laughs) I mean, it it did take over what it was going to take over a half hour. It took over a half hour. That's crazy long. What took so long? Because they were shooting those missiles down. No, but Elisa and Laura bring up good points. And uh, I don't think there's anything to be actually concerned about. Just some silly mistake you on the computer. You don't sound convinced, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew sounds like he's trying to convince no. himself. This confessional is just hitting home for me because I feel like my crazy uncle who was spouting off crazy conspiracy theories over Christmas. This sounds like something he would say. So I'm just thinking about him getting this in his head and I'm going to hear about it next Christmas. Yo, I, I think I think some real missiles went to there. I think North Korea actually tried to nuke us. And it'll be Obama's fault somehow. Yes. Oh, of course. Oh, my God. My uncle is racist. It's really horrible. He was saying terrible things. That I won't repeat on the show. It would upset people. I don't want to upset anybody. Time now for AP Choice. We answered this one already. Ashley said, did any of you attend a women's march this weekend? No. Sean asked. But every time I get asked about it, I feel shitty about it. Yeah, you should. I'm sorry. Sean says, if you had to smuggle drugs, diamonds, or something else valuable, would you rather swallow it or just store it up your ass? Oh, definitely my butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would be the easiest. Um, the diamonds, I guess, could hurt, but drugs are probably easy to put up your butt. You just take a little, like, capsule thing that you can put them in and then stick it up the, the butt. The problem is, if the, if it pops, you'll die. What do you mm. mean, if it pops? Oh, oh, the drugs. The drugs, yeah. I mean, I guess the diamonds, yeah. too. I was going to say, how does a diamond pop? Well, it might pop you. Don't you think the capsule to hold the drug has some anti-popping technology no, built in? No, they usually use condoms for that stuff or like Ew. little balloons. Like it's this is not high tech. Oh, what? Why can't somebody go on Shark Tank and come <laughs> up with a capsule thing you can stick up your butt that holds things? Yeah, why doesn't anybody like try to sell like an illegal drug smuggling container? I got the perfect idea for one, too. What you is it? You know those 
the traveling toothbrush cases, they're shaped like cucumbers. You can easily put some stuff in there, close it, stick it up your rear. I mean, at that point, why not just use a cucumber? Why don't you hollow out a cucumber, stuff it with drugs, and then put that in your ass? Fine. Okay. Blue and Steve did a song about that, too, one time. I I can't remember it, but they did. I think we should test this out on Andrew the next time he comes to visit us. Yes. Like, when he's about to travel, he needs to get, like, something and put it in his butt. <laughs> and then I Millennial Live will watch yeah. him take it out and see how, how it did. I will not conceal a hollowed-out cucumber up my butt, but I will take a toothbrush traveling case. You guys can put whatever you want inside of it. And we'll stick that up my butt and see how it goes. But aren't those a bit long to be sitting, like, in the seated position with that thing? Mm, you bring up a good point. I feel point. like you could prolapse your butt. All right. Well, when I'm in, next time at Target, I'm going to go to the travel section and see <laughs> if I can find something smaller than a toothbrush case. <laughs> and finally... <laughs> From Carolyn, what mobile game do you play to de-stress or just take a break from your daily activities? It doesn't have to be a distressing game uh, exactly, just something that you enjoy playing on your phone. Um, I like to play Infection. Is that like a simple it's, game? Um, uh, yeah, it's pretty simple. It's a, I forget what... It's a lot like a video game, but I forget the name of the game, where basically like... You create you create a disease, and you like like pandemic. Yeah, yeah. You spread it. Um, <laughs> wow, I, you're fucked up. And it's <laughs> it's it's kind of fun, um, and it's cool to like watch your disease spread all over the map and everything. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, Andrew, oftentimes I do name my disease Andrew. Why? What? I don't know. You really? I do think that? I think we were. I think we had recorded the show one time a couple years ago, and we were, like, talking about pandemics, and you were really super paranoid, so I thought you were a good inspiration. I'm glad I inspired that. (laughs) Wow. I don't play any games right now. I used to play Pokemon Go. Um, Back in the good old iPhone days, I played, like, Angry Birds. Last Christmas, not this past one, but uh, Christmas 2016, I was playing Roller Coaster Tycoon Classic because they took the classic Roller Coaster Tycoon from the mid-2000s, one of the best games ever created, and they ported it to iPhone. Um, You make your own theme park. And the the new Roller Coaster Tycoons, they look like they suck. It's too 3D. It's too... It's it's just... There's something about the classic roller Roller Coaster Tycoon that is so wonderful. Um, and just having it on my phone was like the greatest thing ever. I should play it more, but I just, I, I just don't. I'm on my social media apps when I'm on my phone. Mm. Do you play anything, Elisa? Mm, yeah, not really. I mean, I think I was into Mario Run for a while. Um, that was the most recent one, but I've sort of, uh, sort of gotten over that, to be honest with you. Plague, I used to play a bunch, which is very similar to, to what Laura was describing. I I don't play a lot of like mobile app games because so many of them are pay to play at yeah. this point. 
and they have all of like the microtransactions that I'm just not down with. So that turns me off. I'm, it's not a game at all, but I'm just, I'm a big fan of Reddit. I'm just all mm-hmm. over Reddit 24 seven all day, every day. I just, I, that's how I kill my time. It's always entertaining to me. Have you played this new trivia HQ game? No, what it's all is the that? rage right now. It's pretty cool. Every day, they HQ trivia. It's called not trivia HQ. It's just called actually. It's just called HQ. Um, every day there is a live trivia game with a host, and you watch and play live, and you know it's live because the host is showing how many people are left as the game uh, gets narrowed down. I think there's 10 questions, 12 questions per um, game. And here's the, here's the big thing about it. You can actually win real money. If you make it to the end, you will split however much money is in that day's jackpot. For example, on Sunday, the jackpot was $15,000 and there were 15 questions. So if you got all 15 questions right, you and whoever else got them all right splits that money. So, you know, the questions get pretty hard, and this thing is blown up. There there are over 1 million people playing every game. It shows you how many people are playing. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I don't think most prizes are as big as uh, 15,000. <clears> Some are like just a couple thousand. It's every day at 9 p.m. Eastern and weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. So they do 12 games a day or a week. It's insanely popular. I'm going to start doing this. Yeah. I need extra money. Well, the next one starts in a half hour from now. So get ready. All right. I know, uh, you know, John Thrasher, he, his friend Mm -hmm. won like a dollar (laughs) 80 last week, (laughs) (laughs) but Hey, it's real money for sitting there playing trivia. Not bad. All right, uh, that does it for this week's episode of Millennial. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for those AP Choice submissions over at patreon.com slash millennial. We wanted to let everybody know that starting next week, we will occasionally be running ads on the show. And um, they're going to be, we want everybody to know, they're going to be for products we genuinely believe in. They're going to be host-read ads. We are going to be learning about them, being able to review them in advance. Uh, We just want to say that you can trust us. We're not going to pick shitty products. (laughs) We're not going to do things that can harm anyone or anything like that. I wanted to also say that if you support us on Patreon, you will will get ad-free versions of the show. And every episode of Millennial, henceforth, will be on Patreon, uh, whether or not... There's an ad in it, and you can take a unique RSS feed that's available to you over at patreon.com slash millennial, pop it into your podcast app, and then you will automatically get every single episode of Millennial, just like you do through um, iTunes or whatever you use. So this is just a way for us to raise some more funds for the show and uh, continue to produce it. So that's that.
Awesome. Speaking of Patreon, over on After Dark today, we're going to be talking about bad neighbors. And I've got two stories uh-huh. from the past week. I know Laura's got a story. We went over to the Facebook mm-hmm. group and people were sharing a ton of different stories. So we're going to have to do like five installments of this, I think, because we've all had these experiences. Bad neighbors, if you live in an apartment. I can't wait to hear more oh, about God. your stories, Andrew. You were telling us some of them, you know, over over the, the Facebook chat. And they're, your neighbor is the fucking worst. She truly is. Yeah. She, I, I'm podcasting with her on the couch today because I don't want her to hear me <laughs> talk about these. <laughs> <laughs> you should. That would be like the most alpha fucking thing, just to sit there and bitch about her on air and have her overhear it. I kind of wanted to, but the thing is that when she starts banging on the wall, it distracts me, and then I'm throwing off my podcasting game. I don't want her to ruin the show. No, but I, I think it would be hilarious if you got into a, like, a live on air oh, fight with her. Yeah. Well, you know what? I will continue podcasting uh, from my desk, and it, it it almost got recorded on MuggleCast. If I didn't have my finger on the mute button, people would have heard my whole fight over the weekend. But anyway, I'll talk about that more on After Dark. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa, and I'm Laura. We're gonna send everybody off today with a classic. Goodbye. God. We gotta find a paw print. That's the first clue. We put it in a notebook. And now what do we do? Blues, 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 blues. We gotta find another paw print. That's the second clue. We put it in a notebook. Now what do we do? Blues, 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 blues. We gotta find another paw print. That's the third clue. We put it in a notebook. And well, you know what to do. Blues, 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 blues. Well, we sit down in a thinking chair and think, think, think. Cause when we use our minds, take a step at a time, we can do anything. What a classic that we wanna do. I don't know why it was cut off. So, Andrew, did you just unmute your TV <laughs> and let the audio from yeah. that play in? I'm just curious. If Hulu brings (laughs) the entire Blue's Clues series online, I would die. You know how they've been doing all these big acquisitions? Blue's Clues should be their next acquisition.